You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. very English tragedy. I've got to get my English voice down. It's one of my three voices that I can do, as people can I can tell. do, you know what my voice is? What? Gay man. Get, you do <laughs> that's it very all, well. That's the only one I can do. You do it very well. I can do a southern accent. I can do a British accent. I can do an, an Aussie accent if I switch over, which is basically a British accent. So so go ahead and give our, little, our listeners... We want to offend as many people as at the start of this episode. What? It's not offensive. Those are all white accents, so I'm allowed to do them. Yeah, but doing them right and doing them are different things. Well, I probably won't do it. First of all, English accent is that's very like complex. You can't just... like One person's like, it depends on what part of England you're in. Like... <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do it because now there's pressure. Oi, I'm from. <laughs> Oi, I. <laughs> What's it? I don't you know. know the best part is your face gets like. Yeah, well, everything... you got to get my eyes big. Oi, I'm from White White Chapel. I am. I is. Huh? Oi, I. You know what? I'm going to work on it, but I'm going to get there. Okay? And I'm going to use it in this fucking episode. So you all better be prepared. I can do no accents. I think I can do accents, but then they just I just do them, and then I listen back, and I'm like, you sounded like the exact same person. I Good feel job. like if I just tried, if I like practice, I would, but then I don't practice. I don't. I hear things, and if I hear something and I really listen to it, I can pick up on it, but I just don't practice at all. And then when we come to the, do the podcast, I haven't practiced. I haven't done anything. I attempt to do an accent. It falls flat. I just read things in my normal voice, and... And that's that. And our listeners are so disappointed. So mostly in you because I never set the bar high. Go well, I <laughs> I strive for ten all the time. I just try to cruise at a smooth five, and then nobody's surprised when something <laughs> doesn't go as planned. <laughs> Whatever, I don't care. I'll keep trying and failing. I'll keep. I, I don't care. So, hello, Christians. Welcome to another episode of Your Queerstory. We are your host. I am Evan Jones, and I'm Paul Hobbs. And we want to say a special thank you to everyone for tuning in this week as we cover a few current items that also relate to some fascinating queer story. Yes, yes. Some fashion, some fascinating English. Not fascism. No, not fascism. Some fascinating English queer story for all of our English listeners. Yeah, we got a, we got a few. Yeah. They exist. Yeah. You know, guess where our biggest downloads are coming from? Australia. No. That's really random guess. I don't know. I don't know what the odds <laughs> do. Okay. Our biggest downloader is California. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Well, no, that doesn't surprise me. You know how many queers are in California? California, Texas is up there. Texas is Texas. I think Texas might be three. Utah really? is up there. Huh? Those are, those surprise me. Utah really surprises <laughs> me. Texas has a, actually a much stronger queer community than people realize. It's just it, the state is so big that people forget. Mm-hmm. You know, they get lost in the mix. Utah. Well, shout out to you, Utah. <laughs> Um, so, anyways, before we jump in, we'd like to give a special thanks to our Patreons and all our supporters, especially those in Utah and Texas and California. We'd also like to give out a shout-out to the Knights Wishing Well by Michael Finlay. This is the perfect fairy tale for all Christians and our little allied hookers. And for just $6, you can purchase your very own copy on Amazon Prime and have it shipped to your home in just two days. Two days. You know what, though? Jeff Be- Bezos is getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's worth like 160 billion, I think. Yeah. So half that's gone. Yeah. So he's going to want to make that money back. So you better be prepared cuz Amazon's about to come out with some shit. About to <laughs> You know you can get delivery from Whole Foods in 2 hours. Really? Through amazon.com, yeah. Through Amazon. Hmm. I I don't but think Jeff's really Amazon worried. pay us. Amazon uh, pay us. Amazon, we're plugging the fuck out of you right now. And you know what? It's our problem because we're doing it for free, and that's that's our business mistake. That's not Amazon's business mistake. That's true. Jeff Bezos would never plug us for free, no. never. But you know what? He's gonna want to make that money back. He's all not of a sudden, about that money. no, he's not worried about it. But he's gonna be like, I'm not that rich anymore compared to like all the other rich people. So I have to reinvent Amazon. You know who's rich as fuck? Who? His wife. Yeah, (laughs) she joined the the rankings real quick. She just jumped right the fuck up Mm -hmm. there. Nice job. Well, she was married to him for twenty five years, which I don't think you should stay married to someone forever just because. Absolutely not. Like if the marriage has run its course, get the fuck out of there, live your life. But I I hope it's not one of those things where like he got incredibly wealthy and famous, and he was like, you know what, it's time for me to have a younger life. Well, actually, it said they were mutually exploring, exploring. <laughs> they were mutually exploring other, like they like were taking okay. a break. It was they both agreed, like let's take a break, let's see what it's like, and then they're like, all right, yeah, fuck this marriage, fuck this marriage. But you have so much money, you could have an open marriage with all your money. You built a life together for twenty five years. Just go fuck other people. Like, who cares at this point? You can each have your own house. You can each have ten houses for <laughs> all your lovers and yeah, go but, see them. But, but money doesn't buy happiness. They want to do their they own thing. They were that unhappy. I don't know. Unhappy. I guess well, they're still someone friend. was. They're still friends. Well, right. it says they're still friends, but yeah, who knows but who that really? Knows? Who knows? But anyways, my point's being all of a sudden Amazon's going to start teleporting shit to your house. Mm. They're going to be like, this is the next innovation. Everybody use Amazon. They're going to be start teleporting sex bots to your house house because that's what i saw was that the you could thing. order through Pornhub. Yeah. <gasps> you you can order a sex bot it's happening within 10 years you will be having sex with a robot i'm gonna have sex with a robot i want to know what it's like <laughs> are you gonna have sex with a robot I don't does know. that count I can't, as cheating I, I can't i don't know i don't think so i don't think that counts as cheating well you it's guys the same as a toy it's that exactly you can masturbate why couldn't you have sex with your robot I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to definitely do it. I'm going to tell you right now. There's no doubt that I'm going to do it. Just add this to my, my list of presidential things that I've said for when I run for president. I'm going how many to have years, Well, how old does a vice president have to be a certain age? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you're going to have to wait a while because I'm not... You're not that I'm much not younger a, than me, bitch. 
You're not that much younger than me. First of all, we got to get through next year's election. Then we got to get through another four years because if one of our Democratic nominees wins, hopefully, you'll they'll run another four years. We got to give them a little time. So we're going to give you guys about eight, nine years, and then we're coming. We're coming for you. It would be so fun. Okay. I don't think people call the presidency fun. No, to run. To run. That's think about our campaigns. We could have drag shows at the campaign campaigns. It'd be great. <laughs> we could. We could do it. Um, we just lost half the base. We did. We just <laughs> we lost our chance at pres at being presidents right then. Uh, but yeah, make sure you go and uh, get the Knights wishing well, Michael Finling, at six dollars Amazon Prime. Give it to someone as a birthday gift. Give it to someone as a Valentine's gift. Give it to your mom. Give it to your mom. Give it to your real good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. We've had a little too much coffee today. Yes, a little too much coffee. Also, I'm working midnights for some god-awful reason right now because work is doing strange things. So my schedule is all messed up. I don't know. I don't know what, where, whether I'm coming or going. I don't know. I always know when I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> so before we jump into our stories, uh, what did you do this week? What did I do this week? That's a good question. I had another lazy week. Well, I've I've uh, not been do like January you officially had too many lazy. No, weeks. okay. So January is my lazy week because the rest of the fu- my lazy month because the rest of the fucking year I'm never it doesn't stop. Mm. Like I'm traveling every month this year. Besides January, where are you going in March? Besides March, <laughs> where are you going in April? <laughs> well, it's your wedding in April, so that counts. Okay, all right. But then May is like. Wait, May is LA, mm-hmm. June is Alaska, July is my birthday, so I'm going to do something for that. Mm-hmm. Nothing in August. I'm going somewhere in August. Oh, my family's coming in July also. Okay. I don't know. October's London, so I'm busy. You're so busy. Ju- January, I'm like, fuck that, I'm not doing anything. Alright, alright, I got you. So, I have not been lazy, but I haven't been doing anything fun either. I've been working out, I've been sticking to a ridiculously strict diet. I've been um, working a lot at work. At work, that's what you do. Um, I'm going to see Cats the night this episode airs, Wednesday night. I don't know how I feel about it. What do you mean? I'm sorry. My first pet was named after Cats. Really? Her name is Tantamile. Oh, God. Have you ever even seen Cats? Yes, not not live. Okay. But I've always wanted that. to see it live, but I've seen it, like, the recording. Really? Mm-hmm. I... You know I'm a lover of the theater. Love it. Love it. I'm also a lover of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. Love him. But I just don't know how I'm going to get into this musical about cats. It's part of our... We have the season tickets. It's part of our season tickets. Feel obligated to go. How much are they? Uh, it just It depends on the year. So this year was more expensive because this year it's all these Broadway hits. The Phantom is coming. Um... What you call okay, it? How much cats? It was like uh, a little over two hundred a person. That's really not bad, though. Oh no, it's not. No, not when you consider that. Typically, if you get tickets, I mean, the cheapest you're going to spend is fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. You could spend up to a hundred dollars. I mean, we're going to get to see Hamilton this year. How much? Like, I mean, it's for a whole year. It's for a whole year. We get to see nine plays. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. Oh yeah, it's really good. And I mean, we're seeing like all the heavy hitters this year. Um, what did we just see? We saw. 
Uh, are they good seats that you get? Ours are good seats. It depends on where you buy. And you can spend more money and buy closer. We, we're in the balcony, but we're like on a ledge. Like it's a really good view. We have a really good view. I love it. I love it. And it's in the Providence Performing Arts Center, which is just gorgeous. It's an old theater, mm-hmm. like beautifully done. So that's where we saw Kinky Boots yep. a couple of years ago. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I love it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how I like cats. I like the music. I just don't like the idea of people jumping around in cat suits. But whatever. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's my week. It sounds pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. All right. So today we're covering three stories relating to queerness in the English monarchy. We'll be discussing Queen Anne, Mary Queen of Scots, and Richard the Lionheart. If any of this is sounding very recent and familiar, that's probably because you're aware of a few movies currently in theaters. The Favorite, starring Olivia Coleman, Emma Stone, and Rachel Wise. Weiss. Weiss. Same thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mary Queen of Scots, which is directed by Josie Rourke. <laughs> God, we can't be messing up on the white names too, Paul. <laughs> I don't, we I have nothing left. I can't read. Mary Queen of Scots, which is directed by Josie Rourke, the and based on the book Mary Queen of Scots, The True Life of Mary Stuart. But by, by can you get this name right? I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> by John No, I can't. John Gui. John Guy. Guy. By John Guy. And Robin Hood, the box office bomb, which is probably no longer in theaters. When did, there was a movie called Robin Hood? Yeah, that's how much of a bomb it was. It oh. came out in November. <laughs> oh, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, and though King Richard is not a part of this particular reboot, he is the central theme of the infamous legend of Robin Hood. And believe it or not, we actually didn't even plan to do this episode, but fate, or perhaps the ghost of, the, of these monarchs, wanted you to hear these stories. Yes. So, here's what happened, Christians. So Christmas break, I was like, I'm taking a break from queer history. I am going to read something else. And I picked up a book on the, the Third Crusade. Uh, it's called Warriors of God, one of our references for this episode by James Reston Jr. If you are a fan of Crusader history or of English history, um, or even um, it's, a, it's a very well-balanced book that, that accurately depicts, I believe, and um, both the English side and the Muslim side of the Crusades, which you don't get often. No, you, you only get, get a very, the English sides ever. You, yeah, well, in, well, like in America and in Britain, you know, we get the English side. I'm sure in, in um, the Middle East, they get more of the, the Muslim side. This is a balanced perspective of both of the main um, warriors, which was King Richard and Saladin. Um, so anyways, very good book. Um, I made the mistake of forgetting that queer history is history like the two are intertwined they they are queer history is history so of course naturally like 15 pages into the book i find out that richard the lionheart was gay mm-hmm. and i was like oh wow this is really interesting we got to make sure that we cover this you know in the future and then samantha and i have we just like to have season everything so we have monthly subscriptions to the the movies but you know what you never have to plan date night we don't and that's the thing like we have a date every week and it's either to the theater or to the other theater like we're going to the movies or we're going to the actual theater like we have you know like we get bulk like things like we had a rock climbing gym like membership for a while like we get these bulk things and then at least once a week we can have a date to go do stuff Mm -hmm. So, anyways, so we had um, so we had our uh, 
our movie subscription. So we went to go see The Favorite, which has so many reviews, like great reviews. I was telling Paul, it's been nominated for over 200 awards worldwide. It's won, I believe, over 60. It's definitely going to have a couple of Oscars. Great movie. Go see it. I had no idea that it was about a lesbian love affair. I thought it was just about the queen and deciding between her ladies and waitings of who was going to be her favorite. How which, did you not see that one coming? I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't think about it. I didn't, like, I just thought I feel that, like I just, that would have just been an assumption of mine. That they were, that they was a lesbian love affair? I'm sure every queen with their woman in waiting had a lesbian affair. No, I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I, I don't think that's true at all. It's true. You so, heard it here first. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so there's a, there's a central theme of the movie is a lesbian love affair. Actually, a love, lesbian love triangle. And then... The second movie I went to go see was Mary Queen of Scots because I was really on this English like kick because I love English history and um, or British history and um, Mary Queen of Scots and then there's a central plot point to that is her gay best friend and a few other things that we'll mention. So it was all it was all this queer English history and I was like, well, we have to make a movie, a podcast about it. So we are. So here we are. So if you've gone and you've seen these movies, you can relate. Or if you haven't, Mary Queen of Scots and The Favorite are still in theater. You need to go see them. Absolutely. Um, and if you like to read, you should pick up Warriors of God by James Reston Jr. It's really good. So, like I said, you can clearly see this episode had to happen. And if you have seen all these movies, you should probably... Um, you probably have questions about them. So let's start with the first movie we listed, the one with the strongest queer theme and the best of the three movies and fantasies, in our opinion, The Favorite. This movie has always already won several, several awards, and as I said, it's sure to earn an Oscar or two. It is beautifully directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, L-A-N-T-H-I-M-O-S, Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Lanthimos, I don't know. Uh, the cast is splendid. The writing is full of sharp wit and humor, and the film is complete with gorgeous production designs and excellent cinematography. You should go see it, but what you really want to know was Queen Anne actually a die-hard lesbian, and so we will tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Tell them. They want to know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you waited on the edge of your seat for that, that answer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe she was maybe she wasn't <laughs> honestly questions it is hard to say as our resources from this time are limited the two women met when they were young girls and it seems that Anne instantly became infatuated with Sarah on the other hand Sarah seemed to appreciate the benefits of the friendship more than Anne herself in time Anne made Sarah her lady-in-waiting and the two women were pretty inseparable, again, mostly due to Anne's insistence. They did write passionate letters to one another using secret nicknames, Mrs. Morley for Anne and Mrs. Freeman for Sarah. However, passionate expression was the way most people wrote to their close friends and associates during this time period, which, by the way, is the late 1600s to the early 1700s. So real quick, just to, to put in here, so we said, like, Queen Anne, who is Princess Anne, meets Sarah at a young age. Mm -hmm. The two hit it off, they become friends, and they grow up as friends. And you see that in the movie, that part's true. Um, it is true that Anne seemed to be more infatuated with Sarah. It was Sarah Churchill, by the way, in this um, 
a great great like ancestor to Winston Churchill. Anyways, Anne seems more like taken with Sarah than Sarah is with her. Mm-hmm. And, but Sarah's like, hey, the fucking princess wants to be my best friend, and I'm not gonna say no. Yeah, it's probably hard. good. To, probably a good decision. It is. Yeah, and it's hard because because Anne is the princess. It's hard to know if Sarah truly enjoyed her company or if Sarah was taking advantage or if she felt like she didn't have a choice because again could be all three exactly when the princess wants to be your best friend in the 1600s you don't get to say nah like you don't get to like not be her friend so maybe they really did enjoy each other's company or maybe Sarah felt like she had no way out or maybe Sarah used it to her advantage like we said could be one of all three it's hard to know we just know that Anne was just like this is my bitch yeah Hey Queerstians, do you own a business? Are you an author or an entertainer? And would you like a great way to grow your audience? Well this commercial slot could be yours. For just $20 a month, we can advertise your show on our podcast. And as a rapidly growing queer content source, we want to help get your name out there. So if you want even more promotion, you can just choose our $30 tier to get ads and links on our website. And for only $40 a month, we'll review your product on our YouTube channel and link it to all of our social media. So go ahead, send an email to your queer story at gmail today or reach out to us on social media via messenger and let us make your business a little more queer bye Bye. in one letter Anne said to sarah oh come to me as soon as you can that i may cleave myself to you which means she wants to jump on her i guess and in another (laughs) jump your bones yeah basically and in another, I can't go to bed without seeing you. If you knew what condition you have made me, I am sure you would pity. That's, a, I mean, I guess it made sense then. That's like a really roundabout way of saying that. <laughs> it is. Yeah, well, that's, again, and that's how people wrote then. And that's the thing. It's not to say that these letters weren't, that there wasn't anything. We're not saying there wasn't something. It's just like... That's how people wrote to each other. Like everyone yeah. in the 16 and 1700s was so fucking dramatic about everything they wrote. Well, yeah, you have all these crazy th- literature things coming out. That's true. Literature yeah, there, things, books. There's the literature. <laughs> is that what, what What are these literature things that you have here? Ah, this is a library, sir. These are books that we have. Yes, hand me one of those literary thingies, jiggles over there. <laughs> Everyone that, like, when you read uh, letters, like, the, that the forefathers of America wrote to each other, they're just constantly like, I can't bear to be apart from you. Being without you pains me. And I don't think these guys were all, like, totally into each other. I think they just, that's how people write. But. You expressed your emotions. That's before we decided that it was, emotions were a bad thing. Exactly. That's before we shut it down and we we're like, no, we can't do that. Which Nobody like, expressed anything. Like, which is exactly, did you see all the uproar over the Gillette ad? No, I didn't see, I didn't want, I saw the uproar, but I didn't mm. watch the ad. Okay, so the, I keep telling yeah. myself that I need to watch it, but then I'm like, I really don't want to, like, why am I going to go search out an ad? I skipped them. Like, why am <laughs> I, I, right? <laughs> I deliberately hit skip. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I don't have cable because I hate ads. Literally. I, 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 I watched something live, like, on cable, and an ad came on, it was like four fucking minutes long. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it was just ad, 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 and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Never ending awful okay so and then 10 minutes later you get more 
Oh yeah, and it's and another they just, they never, And as soon as you, I hate them, I hate, I hate live TV. I hate it. Um, so the ad is just basically like they're like, hey, like we've always thought that beating men up made us tough, and we thought that you know catcalling and harassing women made us tough, and we thought that whatever, like, and they're like, hey guys, maybe like this isn't what masculinity should be, and of course men were like, what are you talking about? Oh, that's, that's what makes me a man. When I chase boys down and I beat them up, whenever I harass women on the streets, one guy's I read one guy's like, I've been catcalled by women on the streets before and I didn't say anything about it <laughs> oh my oh. so sorry where's the woman fucking catcalling you um anyways not to say that it didn't happen but also the woman catcalling was saying hey watch out asshole <laughs> exactly I was like oh okay I'm sorry did you say you like my asshole <laughs> she's like no I'm saying Get move the, the fuck, fuck out, out of the way oh you saying you wanna fuck me huh <laughs> <laughs> anyways so yeah of course there's all this uproar about it but um but yeah, the whole point is that like men should be able to express emotions and vulnerability and not be considered weak. Mm-hmm. And of course, back then, men did openly express their emotions and vulnerability. And now we... Um... It was like a, a challenge to see who could be the most open and vulnerable. Exactly. Exactly. And they were. And They're like riding outside of their house. Huh? They're writing on their walls outside of their house. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, it turned into just being homophobia and people being like... Well, if you write like that, you must be gay. And then, of course, men, that's the absolute worst thing you could ever accuse someone of. So they're like, no, I'm not gay. Look at me. I'm going to go beat up a seven-year-old because I'm a man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Very much. Yeah. So anyway, so but all that to say that people wrote very passionately during this time. I think that Queen Anne definitely had an infatuation, borderline love interest in Sarah. Um, but I also think that this 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 she could have written passionate letters like this to any fucking woman and we don't have most of the letters because uh despite their extreme closeness both women do seem to have also been deeply in love with their husbands and especially who was openly devoted and adoring of her husband george who's never mentioned in the movie by the way they just completely (laughs) don't mention that she has a husband (laughs) um and became pregnant 17 times during her marriage Shit. And unfortunately, well, I, mean, I guess they didn't really have many options back then. They like, didn't. There's no birth control or anything. But still, like... that's that's a high number even for that. And unfortunately, none of her children survived to adulthood. Wow, out of seventeen. Yeah, that's really sad. Which they do depict that in the movie. They show her rabbits. She has all these rabbits. She has one for every child that she lost. So despite their immense heartbreak, the two remained a strong couple. Anne stayed by George's bedside constantly during his final months of life. His death and the sudden weight of the monarchy is what could have driven her further into her dear friend Sarah. So he died and he kind of left the kingdom up in an upheaval, you know. Jesus, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So in this event, Sarah suddenly found herself the most powerful woman in England next to the queen. In the film The Favorite, Sarah is often seen in court ruling on matters. In reality, she preferred to oversee the building of her castle, a gift from the queen. However... Anne consulted Sarah daily, and the entire kingdom knew that Sarah's words had power. As the relationship grew, Anne seems to have continued with her love for Sarah, while Sarah deepened her manipulation of Anne. The most famous example of manipulation is when Sarah demanded the queen destroy any letter Sarah had written to her. Rumors were beginning to swirl around the court that the two women were more than just friends. However, Sarah did not destroy the queen's letter and later used them to blackmail Anne. Yeah, so she... Yeah, it's sad. She gets she convinces Anne to destroy all their letters, so there's like no 
um, chance that anyone could find them and know what Sarah said. So that's why we say, like, Sarah comes off as this cold-hearted bitch, and she probably was. We don't know what she said to Anne, because her letters were destroyed, because Anne upheld her into the bargain. Sarah saved hers and used hers against Anne. But what exactly drove Sarah to blackmail the fucking Queen of England? Some say it was a fear of loss of power. Others, that she was insulted by the Queen's opposing political views. However, it sounds more like a jealous lover. In 1690, Sarah brought some of her less fortunate family members on staff at her estate and at the Queen's Palace. One of these family members was Abigail Hill, was Abigail Hill whom Sarah seemed to bond with quite quickly. One night, when Queen Anne was suffering from one of her many illnesses, which was accurately described in the movie, Sarah substituted one of the bedchamber maids for Abigail. The Queen liked her new chambermaid, and the two got along well. But while the movie depicts a relationship that sprung up overnight, truthfully, truthfully it evolved over approximately 15 years. During this time, Sarah and Anne had many fights and disagreements, and then Sarah lost her only son, which devastated her. She became distant and withdrawn, which frustrated and hurt the queen, further causing a rift. Finally, in 1707, Queen Anne arranged a secret marriage for Abigail Hill and Samuel Marsham, a member of the royal service. Samuel was above Abigail's station, and because of this, the marriage was thought scandalous. The queen was so secretive about the marriage that, the, that they did not even inform her closest friend and Abigail's kinswoman, Sarah. Yeah, so... um. And you do see in the movie, but again, in the movie, they make it seem like Abigail comes in one night to help the queen and comfort her while she's hurting, and then they strike up a friendship, and then Abigail uses that to her advantage, and within, like, a couple months, she's, like, taken over Sarah's spot. But the reality is, this was, like, 15 to 20 years, really, where Abigail, like, serves the queen, she's her chambermaid, and Sarah, during this time, is going through her own stuff. The country's at war. The queen is stressed. Sarah loses her son. They're bickering over difference in politics. Mm -hmm. And their friendship just kind of like, or whatever, their relationship starts to drift apart. And the queen begins to lean on someone else. And that other person is Abigail. So, and then of course the queen arranges a secret marriage for Abigail and doesn't even inform Sarah that mm -hmm. the marriage happened. So Lady Sarah took severe offense to this betrayal of the marriage and confronted Anne, accusing her of having an inappropriate relationship with Abigail. Whether it was a lover's quarrel or a woman afraid of being ousted, the words cut deep for Queen Anne. But the final blow came when Sarah threatened to publish the two's private letters if Anne did not dismiss Abigail from her service. The Queen refused and instead evicted Sarah from her premises and cut off all ties with Lady Marlborough. That was Anna's... Or that was... Sarah's official title. The two would never speak again, and Sarah began to spread rumors of a lesbian love affair throughout the court. Now, a, cu a couple things about this. First of all, um, it was common for enemies to spread rumors of homosexuality against their rival. Mm -hmm. That was a common thing. Um, again, Sarah had some kind of proof that might be damning about um, mm -hmm. Anne. I don't know where News. she got off thinking that she could um, blackmail the Queen of England. That goes to show how far their relationship had evolved. Or, you know, Sarah wasn't afraid to blackmail Yeah, Anne. she obviously had something because if she didn't have some solid proof, she would mm -hmm. be, like, dead. Or at the very least, she was comfortable enough in their relationship to know that Anne wouldn't have her dragged off to the gallows and, you know, right, hung yeah, or true. beheaded. 
you know, because again, Anne is the queen of England, mm-hmm. and Sarah it's is... It's not like know, where she gets a free trial. She could have just been, like, hanging Yeah, out. she could just do whatever the fuck she wants. So Sarah had some kind of, like, you know, sense that she could get away with this, but, you know, and that, but that, and a lot of people say that, um... What Anne was truly offended was is that Sarah accused her of being a homosexual, but people could just be saying that because they don't want to admit that Queen Anne was a lesbian, right. or at least bisexual, or at least attracted to Sarah. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe she was straight, but you know, there's been plenty of straight people that fell in love with someone of the same sex, and just because that's how life fucking happens sometimes. Yep. Yeah. So regardless of what Sarah and Anne may have had, it does not seem likely that Abigail and the Queen shared anything other than a professional relationship, with Abigail assuming many of the royal duties Sarah had performed. Oh. Yes. Got it. That's one long ass sentence. Well, I'm sorry, because in the movie they show Abigail and the Queen having an affair as well. But it's not... But There's no proof. But there's there's no proof or any hint that that ever happened. The queen remained fond of her chambermaid and trusted her as a close confidant, but there was never the intimate relationship she had shared with Sarah. Upon the queen's death in 1714, Sarah, like a bitter like a bitter ex-lover, published Anne's private love letters to her. Because Sarah had convinced the queen to destroy Sarah's letters, the lady was able to paint the former queen as an obsessed, rejected lesbian fiend. Yes. So Sarah really screwed over the queen in the end. Um, I don't know why. It's a very odd story, she was not pissed. a lot of information, one side. Yeah, she was pissed. She was pissed because she lost her station, but she lost her station because she threatened the queen. <laughs> so, I don't know, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. They do a good job in the movie of depicting her as kind of like, definitely as manipulative mm-hmm. and as, um, you know, I don't know. Opportunistic? Uh, opportunistic, definitely. But they also paint it as she may have had feelings for mm-hmm. him as well. So, anyways, our next story doesn't get any happier. In fact, the English tragedy continues. This story is from the historical novel and current movie, Mary, Queen of Scots. If you aren't familiar with your English history, Mary Stuart was the Queen of Scotland and technical heir to the throne of England. Yet England had established their new queen, Elizabeth I, a.k.a. Elizabeth the Great, through the Tudor line, and the country wasn't interested in an outsider usurping the throne. The film itself centers around the very real story of Mary's challenge to Elizabeth's throne, the evolution of the two female monarchs' relationship, and Mary's eventual beheading. The story is good, though sad, but then Mary Stewart had a very sad life. One thing we especially appreciated about the film, though, were the many aspects of sexuality and gender that were touched upon. The most central figure of these issues was Mary's very close friend and court entertainer, David Rizzio. In the movie, Rizzio is flirtatious with men, almost always with the ladies-in-waiting, and even dresses up in their clothing and tells Mary, Is it odd I think myself more your sister than your brother? To which Mary responds, You never have to hide who you are with us. You nailed this. But how true are these characteristics to Rizzio's real personality? (laughs) Personage. Personage. I'm sorry. I'm reading all this English stuff and my vocabulary got away from me. It does seem certain that Rizzio was at least bisexual. He was a renaissance man and, of course, and they were known for their sexual and gender fluidity. It's hard at this time period because we're at the time period where (sighs) the whole world is just in a fucking... 
they're like the church is coming out against homosexuality and it's saying that it's wrong but the the rest of the world especially the um like the the wealthy the dukes the lords mm. they're all very sexual you know and like sex isn't gay or straight just men have sex with men because that's what men do and women will play with women of course they don't call it sex but women have sex with women because whatever and there's not gay or straight but Rizzio did have several relationships with men Mm -hmm. and I can't really find many relationships that he had with women so they say that he's bisexual but I'm not really seeing a double yeah um uh, we know that Rizzio and the Queen were were practically inseparable, and while there were rumors that their relationship was too close, there wasn't any evidence to suggest they actually had a sexual relationship. And we do know that Rizzio had sexual relationships with another queer man in Mary's life, her husband. Maybe her husband was just using Mary as his beard. Oh yeah, I definitely think that's true. <laughs> Apparently, Mary just attracted the queers. Mary's husband, Henry Darnley, was known to be a drunk and a great cock chick. A cock chick, which funny story. So when I first read that, because that's the that was the quote that he was a cock, he was a cock chick, and I was like, I didn't get that like he was a chick magnet for cock, but Wait, I he was a chick. He was like a chick, yeah, like he attracted cock. Oh. Men wanted to fuck him. Yeah, but why is it called? A, I don't I, get. It. I don't know. It's a, must be an English thing. So I googled cock chick because <laughs> I wanted to know what maybe what English connotation this was, and I got a lot of porn <laughs> on Google. The a government's lot. coming for you. I don't know. Uh, I think that's my legal. my feed was just filled with cocks left and right. <laughs> didn't help me at all. I didn't even wade through it to find out what it meant. But that's what I'm. Your fiance is behind, sitting next to you on the couch. <laughs> She's like, uh, Evan, what are you? What are you doing? I'm looking up great cock chick. Okay, just give me a moment. <laughs> so um, he apparently attracted the cock of David Rizzio. Is it Rizio? I feel like it's Rizio. Rizio or Rizio? I think it's Rizio. I think it's Rizio. Because the ambassador of England wrote to Queen Elizabeth to inform her that Henry and David had been found in bed together. Surprising. Which, spoiler alert, on in the movie, they're found in bed together on Mary's wedding night. <laughs> so apparently she had no idea that Henry was gay. And then she marries him... And he leaves her on her wedding night to go fuck David. Oh, that hurts. That's rough. That's rough. Even for Mary, who seemed... In the movie, she's painted as this very accepting, open-minded woman. But even for the most accepting, open-minded, that's... That's rough. (laughs) Um, Let's see. So... So even though the king and the courtier, David, were both known to prefer each other over Mary when it came to sex, this didn't prevent conspirators from using Mary and Rizzio's relationship against them. And this is another big spoiler alert. So again, you should watch the movie, but we're dropping spoilers left and right. Sadly, one of the, sadly, one night, Henry was hustled into storming Mary's room with a group of angry men. They burst in to find Mary and David with her ladies relaxing and enjoying the evening as they always did. So there was a group of men that got together and they're like, it's not right that the queen's always with this other man. She should be with you. The truth is these conspirators were just mad that Mary was the queen. They wanted Mm -hmm. a man to be in charge. So. The conspirators accused Mary of getting pregnant with David's child. And she was pregnant, but with Henry's child. Nevertheless, the mob of men attacked David. 
They slaughtered him in front of their pregnant queen, stabbing him 56 times and then throwing his body to the bottom of the stairs. Henry was forced to participate in all of these horrors, and the agitators even tried to get him to deliver the final blow to his ex-lover. Henry refused, but left the me- Henry refused, but left with the men, ordering that Mary be imprisoned in her room. Then later that night, Henry helped Mary escape her tormentors. The two separated, and a few years later, Henry was killed. Yeah. So after so after David was murdered in front of her, like they escaped together, and then Mary like pardoned him, and they had an official separation, and she left her husband. One other part of the movie, and the movie goes on, it's really good, uh, continues to be sad. Nothing ever goes right for Mary. She was known to be a little arrogant. Like, she was, she's like, I am the heir to the English throne, and I'm going to have it. Mm-hmm. I am. And, like, and everyone was like, okay, well, we're not going to give you the throne. She's like, I don't care. I am the heir. And she just, she talked a big talk but she never put anything behind her talk she mm-hmm. couldn't gain a follow a group of followers the church was very against her they hated her the um the protestant church mm-hmm. so in the movie they show like men like this preacher john knox who was a real preacher getting up and talking about how she was a whore and uh women shouldn't be in charge of a country and all these things and so the people were very much against mary she couldn't get a following in her own country, but she kept walking around as if she was in charge of things. You know, that sounds like <laughs> current situation. Yeah. So it was, she, it, you know, she, she seemed like a good person at heart, but she just didn't know how to appeal to the common man. Mm-hmm. So one other part of the movie, which deals with a different issue is Queen Elizabeth the first gender identity. In the film, the queen, in the film, the queen references that she, I feel more as a man than a woman. And she alludes that she could never marry because she could never fulfill a man in the bedroom the way that he wanted. It is true that the queen often referred to herself in masculine terms, as did her subjects. Robert Cecil wrote to a friend that the queen was more than a man and in truth sometimes less than a woman. Elizabeth was known to use the term prince when referring to herself in her writings, and she struggled deeply with finding the words to describe herself to her countrymen. So she never referred to herself as princess. She always wrote herself as a prince. She would just always use masculine terms when referring to herself. So. Yeah. I mean. Who knows? uh, No, no one knows. So the thing is, Elizabeth is ruling in a time that's very anti. I mean, it's always been anti-female, but like. At this time, people are very upset that she's a queen, that she's in charge, and they're incredibly upset that she refuses to get married. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing was like, you get married, and then your husband will rule. And that's how it worked. That's how it always worked. Mm-hmm. If there was a female queen, then she would get married, and her husband would become king. And Elizabeth refused to get married. She was and, like, no, I'm, this is, I'm doing this. Yeah, she's like, no, I'm going to rule. I'm gonna so be- she could, it could have been anything. She could have potentially been trans. It could have yeah. been a face to, like you said, you know, throw, throw them off. Mm-hmm. Or it could have just been, I don't know, like... It's hard to know because you're dealing with a different time period and a different set of circumstances. Right. The vocabulary and the and the circumstances of today do not fit Elizabeth I's circumstances. Right. She did struggle with her gender identity, but she struggled with it in the context of that she was a queen. Right. Would she have struggled with it if she wasn't queen? We don't know. Right. So... The truth is, Elizabeth I was faced with an impossible task. She was a female monarch ruling in a man's world. The movie Mary Queen of Scots addresses this issue in depth and shows how the two women dealt differently with the, with the pressure. We cannot know what gender or sexuality would have looked like for Elizabeth today. 
It is possible to say she was asexual, which in which in this case would have been most kind. Um, Elizabeth was the mother of a birthing Protestant nation. <clears throat> Elizabeth was the mother of a birthing Protestant nation, incredibly anti-queer and ready to back the sentiment up with violence. Had she, had she been gay or a gender variant, to use an outdated and offensive term, she would have been ex- executed without hesitation. Yeah, so if she had tried to rule as a man, if she had tried, if she had been in love with a woman and any of that, like, it wouldn't have, um, you know, she would have been executed. My personal belief is that, uh, was, is that Elizabeth was asexual, mm-hmm. and I don't know about her gender, maybe agender, I don't know. Um, but she, um, or not, I don't know, but I, I don't think, she did have a close relationship with a man, it's not that she didn't, but they, she was a virgin, mm-hmm. she never had sex, like, I don't think like she had one goal in her life, and that was to rule her kingdom. She was devoted to that, and she was a fucking fantastic queen. Mm-hmm. So whatever. It doesn't seem that she was hiding a secret, even though she struggled with explaining her identity. Elizabeth was a queen, completely devoted to her throne. Her gender and sexuality were irrelevant to her. She had one purpose, and she fulfilled that purpose. She became Elizabeth the Great, and an entire era was named after her. So while we'll never know these intimate details of this queen, we can appreciate the impact she had on the world, especially the impact she had on women. And for our final queer English monarch, we will briefly cover King Richard I, a.k.a. Richard the Lionheart. Now, unlike the previous two stories, this portion will not be a movie review and historical comparison. We simply thought you might still have the memory of King Richard fresh in your mind if you saw the latest Robin Hood, which you probably didn't. Probably didn't, because it has like a 13% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> or perhaps you just need a little more queer English history, and we are here for you. If you're like us, you enjoy the adventure and heroism of English legends. And of course, Robin of Loxley may well be the most well-known English legend ever told. It is so popular, in fact, that the story has been retold on film and television over 65 times, with stories dating back to the earliest form of television in 1908. That's mm-hmm. the first one, is a silent film about Robin Hood. Clearly, the world cannot get enough of the hero who robbed from the rich to give to the poor, all while remaining loyal to the one true king, King Richard I. But what sparked such a legend and such a devotion? And why the hell was Robin forced to fight so hard to pay allegiance to his king? Gotta prove that worth. That's right. While the story of Robin Hood is fiction, loosely based on the real-life hero Roger Godbird... Godbird? Yeah. The story of King Richard is very real. Richard was born a prince, the second son to King Henry II of England. His mother was Eleanor of Aquitaine... And the woman had a story so fascinating, it rivaled her own sons. I wish she had a, some bit of queerness in her, because... No, she did. It came out of her. Well, I guess so. <laughs> she, did, she had a really good story, but we don't have time for it. I'm sorry. Richard grew up with all the privilege and benefits a prince would receive. He was intelligent, strong, very attractive, and very well-liked. At an early age, he showed strong signs of leadership and military abilities. Compared to his own brothers, Richard was clearly the best... Richard was clearly the best suited to be king. However, two obstacles stood in his way. First, his older brother, Henry III, and second, a well-known secret that brought great shame to Richard's father. Richard was a homosexual, and he made little attempt to hide his quote-unquote sin. Sin. We say sin because that's what it's referred to throughout his story. His story. His story. History. 
Around, around 1187, Richard befriended and soon fell in love with King Philip Augustus of France. Uh, Richard was actually about eight years older than Philip. Philip took the uh, throne at a very young age, but they fell in love, and Richard's mother was from France, and so he spent a lot of his time there, and that's how they met each other. The two men were so close that one historian wrote, Richard, then the Duke of Aquitaine, the son of the King of England, remained with Philip, the King of France, who so honored him for so long that they ate every day at the same table and from the same dish, and at night their beds did not separate them. And the King of France loved him as his own soul, and they loved each other so much that the King of England was absolutely astonished and the passionate love between them and marveled at it. Do you and Sam <laughs> ever do that, eat out of the same plate? I mean, I will take something from her plate sometimes, but we don't eat from the same plate. Well, sometimes we do. That's gay. <laughs> I'm just saying. And you save dishes. And you save dishes. <laughs> That's the real truth. It's not romantic <laughs> at all. You're just fucking lazy and don't want to wash an extra dish. God. As news of this affair broke, Richard's father, Henry, was furious at his middle son. He insisted the two break off their friendship, to which Richard responded by conspiring against his father, looting some of Henry's castles, and running off to France. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Another historian wrote of the incident, and taking precautions for the future, frequently sent messengers into France, and the purpose of recalling his son Richard. That's what um, Henry did. He would send and tell Richard, you need to come home right now. Get away from that boy. And Richard, (laughs) pretending he was peaceably inclined and ready to come to his father, made his way to Chinon, and, in spite of the person who had a custody thereof, carried off the greater part of his father's treasures and fortify, fortified it, fortified, and fortified his castles in Piotti with the same refusing to go to his father. Sorry, that's a little wordy, but I didn't write it. I don't know what that even means. I have no idea what I just read. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it was just confirming that, you know, Henry is telling Richard, you need to come home, you need to get this stuff. And Richard's like, fuck you, father. I'm going to France with my boyfriend, and I'm stealing all your shit as I go. So, <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a whole, there's a lot more to the story. We're, we're brushing over a lot, but there's like a whole uprising between Richard and his brothers and trying to overthrow his father and his father being so openly ashamed and upset that Richard was being, because Richard was just like, I don't care. I fucking like this boy. And his father's like, you can't do that. You need to come home. You need to marry a nice girl. Settle down. Richard's like, no, I'm not doing it. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely would have been me. Because of Richard, I definitely could have been a great leader too. You so. could have, you could have. I think you would have been more Philip of France though than Richard. Well, fine. Well, I'm, Philip was a very shrewd king, and uh, he was much more. He did his work in like you know in like the the I don't want to say the courtroom, but like he did his work through like documents and and negotiations and um, alliances. And Richard did all of his kinging on the battlefield. Oh, yeah, no. Definitely wouldn't have done that. So, just just mean, like, yeah. You, like, you can go out and kill all these people or you can make an alliance. And you'd be like, I'm going to do the alliance. I 100%. (laughs) I would have had an alliance with everyone. (laughs) Exactly. So, because of Richard's great sin, the country's clergymen were certain that the young prince was raining down God's judgment on England. Soon after Richard defied his father, the following incident happened. In the same year there came a hermit to King Richard, and preaching the words of eternal salvation to him said, 
Be thou mindful of the destruction of Sodom, and abstain from what is unlawful, for if thou dost not, a vengeance worthy of God shall overtake thee. The king, however, intent upon the things of this world, and not those that are of God, was not able to so readily withdraw his mind from what was unlawful, unless a revelation should come to him from above, or he should behold a sign. So the old guy's like, yes, turning to the sins of Sodom, which is an old way of saying you're a homosexual, and, and you're going to burn in hell. You're going to burn in hell, like Sodom. And Richard's like, nah. <laughs> Still gonna be gay. Still gonna be gay as fuck over here. <laughs> so for all the protests and unwanted warnings, a lover's quarrel is what eventually broke up the two men. Philip, in a shrewd business move, convinced Richard to betroth Philip's sister, Elias, to himself. I don't know oh. if it's Elias or Alias, but that's her. Elias? I don't know. Elias? I don't know. Um, this would join the French and the English crown. Richard did take Elias as his betrothed, but then never married her. <laughs> of course not. Like, okay, you need... Listen to me, Richard. You need to take this woman. I can't do a French accent. What is it? What does a French... Do? I don't no, know. that's like German. Louis... Louis Vuitton. Or cheese. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Wine. Richard. Why don't you... Well, now we definitely just lost all the French people. But... What's, what's happening? <laughs> what, what am I listening to? All right, whatever. He's like, listen, Richard, you've got to marry Alias. I need to combine him. Richard's like, okay, fine, I'll marry her. But then he doesn't marry her. They get engaged and then just... Just keeps on going. <laughs> um, where is this at? As the months turned into years, Philip became increasingly frustrated with his lover. In fact, Richard was so negligent of his future bride that his own father, Henry, actually took her in as his mistress. <laughs> He's like, I'll take her, thank you very much. Yep. While Philip saw this as the ultimate insult, Richard seemed unaffected by the whole affair. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, Dad's fucking my fiance, but it's not a big deal. Honestly. I didn't fuck Philip, her. Philip, I don't know why you're so upset. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, Philip left Richard for his brother, <laughs> Geoffrey, and was very dramatic about the whole deal, as he would be. It's actually sad. Joffrey died a few years later, and Philip, in the funeral, threw himself into the grave on top of Joffrey's casket because he was so overcome with grief. Uh, so Philip left Richard and took, and Richard himself took up a few other lovers. In time, perhaps unable to bring himself to marry his father's mistress, Richard would take another woman to wife. The final, this final insult was the last straw for King Philip, who saw it as a betrayal because Richard had married some other woman instead of his sister, and the two men became devoted rivalries for the rest of their lives. Richard eventually sought open repentance for his so-called sins, praying to the church for forgiveness and publicly renouncing his crime of homosexual passion. He had one son with his wife and went on to become the King of England and the hero of the Third Crusade. Of his character, though, it is said that Richard was excessively cruel and prideful, especially in his treatment of his Muslim enemies. So Philip keeps doing his thing, and Richard uh, comes before the church, and he repents for his sin so that they can win the, the Holy War, the Third Crusade, and supposedly never takes another homosexual lover. That's but... all he did. <laughs> yeah. He's like, repent, motherfucker, repent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Richard would return to England and save the country from his evil brother John. He would rule with he would rule with the favor of the church and uphold their standards. Whether he kept his vow to avoid the sin of sodomy, we do not know. 
We can only wonder what things might have been like had Richard been allowed to accept himself for who he truly was. Who he truly was. Maybe, like, all those people wouldn't have been murdered. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that was just really anger or if he was already kind of a dick or what it was. Imagine if him and Philip just got married and the alliance, like, was set. Exactly. Well, it wasn't a France. The The Third Crusade was against the Muslims. That was well, yeah, separate. but still, but like, still. I feel like if there was that alliance, maybe things wouldn't have went so crazy. He would maybe. have had other things to focus on rather than just killing everybody for no reason. Well, it's true. Maybe he wouldn't have been ser- searching to go to war. Like, he was constantly looking to get away from home. He didn't want to be at home. And that's the whole thing. Like, in Robin Hood, it's like, oh, the king's off fighting a great battle, and then his his brother King John, which is a true story, his evil brother King John comes in, starts taxing the people. But really, Richard was the one taxing all the people to pay for his mm-hmm. his holy war. But John was the one being forced to collect the taxes, so people were taking it out on John. Anyways, but um, but Richard was constantly away from home. Like he was never with his wife. He was mm-hmm. never doing anything. He was always off fighting a battle, distracting himself from whatever he was distracting himself from. The fact that he's married to a woman and wants to be with a guy, probably? I don't know. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, so anyways, so that's <laughs> our episode for today, folks. Um, we hope you enjoyed a little English queerstery. Mm-hmm. Switching it up a little bit. That's right. Make sure you download this episode, please, and others as well. Share them with your friends. We'd appreciate the bump. And you can find us on social media at yourqueerstory.com. No, it's just at yourqueerstory. What? At yourqueerstory.com. No, you don't search yourqueerstory.com. Oh, on social on media. I w- well, you can also go to yourqueerstory.com if you want to see our Evan website. Evan still doesn't know how. <laughs> and otherwise, works. on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you can find us, Your Queer Story. There you go. And if you join us on Patreon for only $3 a month or more, then we would greatly appreciate your support and you get ex- access to our exclusive content. Which apparently Paul Hobbs Wines is made, but Paul Hobbs was so drunk during his Paul Hobbs <laughs> wines, he doesn't know if he wants to show it. I don't know. I have to look at it. Didn't I'm, think I this didn't, through. I didn't open the, epi- the, the recording yet. It's 20 yes. minutes long. Oh, wow. That's, I don't know. That is something. You better buckle up for that whenever he Well, it's going to be edited down to like five, but... Now, come on. Give him a little something. No, I'm sure there'll be bloopers. Okay. <laughs> bloopers. Basically, I recorded the episode, and then I went streaming on Twitch, mm-hmm. which is like a streaming service where people yeah. can watch you play video games. Did like karaoke and lip syncs by myself. I wasn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody with me. No. And then I woke up in my bed like hours later and David had brought me McDonald's. So I woke up and ate and then passed back out. And that is something you definitely don't want to miss, folks. So I don't know what's in this this video. Is the the summary. (laughs) I will have a one year on testosterone update in about a week and a half. Um, And then, uh, you know, just other stuff. We have a very busy month in February. February is Black History Month, if you didn't know. Um, And so we're going to be covering um, some of our favorite queer people of color. Um, We'll probably have pre-recorded episodes because Paul and I are both taking vacations. and We're going to be gone, motherfuckers. We're busy. We're going to be gone. So we might might not be as um, attentive on our Patreon and social media, but don't worry. We'll be back in full force at the end of February. So we haven't gone. We're still delivering content to you guys. Just give us a little bit of a break. Yeah. But uh, anyways, we love you, our suckling sapphist. Stay queer and don't get a lobotomy. And thank you, our allied hookers. And bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. 
Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.